0: And Everybody gets it back again Don't take no mess At the Rose Garden Raise us their own fire They're what we desire The men in black Can't handle it Other teams Can't it How they win that game today There's just one thing
1: back to the rose garden report podcast i am sean hyken the author of the rose garden report newsletter which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. free and paid subscriptions are available the podcast you can get as always on apple spotify youtube wherever else you go get podcasts make sure you subscribe on youtube because that helps me uh, i've got a very special guest today on the podcast and if you're watching on youtube there's not going to be a video of this because i actually we did this in person so there's just the audio recording but uh I was able to get about 30 minutes with Dwayne Hankins, the Blazers' president of business operations, who has been in that job. He's been with the organization for about 10 or 11 years, but he's been in that job for a little over a year and a half. He got promoted when Chris McGowan, their previous uh, business side president, resigned, which was around the same time as the changes on the basketball operations side back December of 21. But, you know, I've known Dwayne for a long time, and he's a really... Good guy, really smart guy, really interesting guy to talk to about a lot of different stuff. This, this episode has actually been in the works for, God, probably eight, nine months, almost a year. Because if you'll remember, last summer, there was that whole controversy about the team maybe not sending their broadcast team on the road during road games. And that, of course, blew up into a whole thing and they ended up reversing that decision. And so around the time of all of that going on, like I was reporting on it and writing about it and all that stuff. And Dwayne and I were talking during then. And at that time, he said, hey, you know, if you ever want me to come on the podcast and get into the weeds about kind of the broadcast stuff or the RSN business or any of that kind of stuff, I'd be happy to do it. And of course, I said I wanted to do that. But that was like really close to the start of the season, so we didn't do it at the time and then the season happened and every you know stuff just kind of kept coming up and coming up and it just never came together but now that we're you know in kind of the dead part of the off season close to when things are really going to start picking up again with the lottery next week which I'll get to in a second and the draft coming up after that and free agency this was a good time to do it and so Dwayne and I Like I said, I went down to his office at the arena earlier today, recording this on Friday afternoon, and we talked for about 30 minutes and we got into, you know, I I, kind of started with the big news of this week, which is that Brandon Roy is going to represent the team at the draft lottery next week. And then, you know, we got into the G League team, which has been announced, I I think, since the last time uh, I recorded a new podcast, we talked about the WNBA expansion, we talked about some of the... Elements of the broadcast and kind of where he sees the RSN business going, we talked about some of the renovations that are coming up at the Moda Center. It's a good conversation. We got into kind of a variety of different topics. I think it's a good interview that uh, you guys are going to enjoy if you have any kind of interest in any of the business side aspects of the Blazers or... The NBA and I brought up the idea of retiring Brandon Roy's number now that they have more of an open relationship with him, that he's gonna be the lottery rep. And Dwayne didn't say that it's gonna happen, but he also didn't say that it's not gonna happen. So I would say that's probably the most news worthy thing from the interview. But the whole thing is great. It's worth listening to. He's great and I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. Now a couple of other just little notes. As far as like Blazers news that's happened in the last couple of weeks, obviously since the last time I did this, the G League team, which I had been kind of hinting at and talking around for the last couple of months, officially got announced. They don't have a team name yet or a logo. We just know that the team is going to play at the Child Center by uh, the University of Portland campus starting this fall. So I think it's great that they've officially announced that and now they're, you know, in line with the rest of the NBA as far as like some of the competitive stuff and the player development stuff. So that's a big bit of news. Damian Lillard made third team All-NBA earlier this week. I honestly, I'm going to be honest, I, I I don't have a vote for the awards. I didn't I had nothing to do with it. I think it's a little bit weird that he got penalized for team record and both of the two guards that made first team all NBA and Luka Doncic and Shea Gilgis Alexander, both were also on teams that didn't make the playoffs. I think it's that that's a little bit weird, but I also am just not somebody that cares that much about that stuff. So that just, you know, that kind of is what it is, but you know, good for Dame. He had a, obviously a great year, uh, third team all NBA. This is seventh all NBA selection of his career. So that, that was great. And then like we just said, the, uh, news that Brandon Roy is going to be their representative at the draft lottery. And I was a little surprised. I knew that they had been kind of trying to bring him back into the fold for a while because he, you know, he had the, you know, obviously his career ended the way that it ended with the medical retirement and the knee injuries and stuff. And his relationship with the organization since then has just not been really there or has not been the greatest and he hasn't really been interested in coming back and doing any kind of the, you know, stuff like that. But I guess, and I talked to Dwayne a little bit about this, and he said that Joe Cronin actually had more to do with it than he did as far as bridging that gap and kind of getting Brandon to be open to coming back and doing it. Uh, But the fact that he said yes, I think is a good and you have to remember, Brandon Roy represented the Blazers on stage at the draft lottery in 2007. He was coming off winning rookie of the year. And that year, they won the number one overall pick, which ended up being the Greg Oden draft. That was the last time the Blazers won the lottery. Obviously, you would, I think, their hope in selecting him was that, you know, you're tilting the basketball gods, you know, in the direction of maybe history repeating itself and Portland getting Victor Wembanyama. I will tell you from my end, I will be in Chicago. I'm actually flying out tomorrow morning. I will be there that whole week. I will be at the draft lottery. I will actually be in the back room for the first time because the way they do it is they do a lot of, you know, a lot of media is just at the lottery, just kind of in the audience watching it on TV. And then they let a smaller amount of reporters in the actual room where they draw the ping pong balls out of the machine and determine the order. They basically want to have reporters in there watching it so they can be like, hey, look, see, it's not rigged. And then, you know, they take away your phones and you... So I will know the result of the draft lottery like an hour before the world does, but I won't be able to tell anybody because I'll be locked in a room with no phone or no computer or no way of communicating with the outside world. I've never done that before. I think this is kind of the year to do it, so that's going to be interesting. But I'll be in Chicago all week. I'll be at the draft combine, so whatever comes out of that. I'm hoping to get some time with some of the Blazers front office folks who are all gonna be out there. I'm gonna have a lot of stuff on the website. We're gonna hopefully do a podcast or two that week. Obviously all the stuff on the trip that I write is going to be paywalled, so make sure you go rosegardenreport.com, sign up for a paid subscription if you're not already to get any of that. I will obviously, no matter what happens, I will have a story from inside the lottery room when the ping pong balls are drawn for the Victor Webb Yama sweepstakes. So just kind of keep an eye out for that going forward. And from, you know, for right now, enjoy this interview with Dwayne Hankins. So Dwayne, I guess where to start is, I mean, I had a whole list of stuff I wanted to get to, but I guess the thing to talk about this week is the news earlier this week that Brandon Roy is going to be representing you guys at the draft lottery next week, I'm kind of curious because obviously you know his his exit from the organization happened before you got here, so you kind of, you had nothing to do with it, obviously. But I would imagine that you were probably at least somewhat involved in the efforts to make this happen. And I know his relationship with the organization in the years since has been kind of up and down for a variety of reasons. So I'm just however much you can tell me about mm-hmm. how. You know that came together, and you know how you know how long the process was, how much you know convincing it took for him to actually say yes to it. Like, I'm really interested in kind of how that played out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to give all the credit to Joe on that one. So, I mean, for us, I got to meet Brandon last year during our preseason game up in Seattle. So, mm-hmm. uh, Sherry Hanson, who's our team relations person, introduced me and Joe, or introduced me. She he knew Joe to her to him, and uh, it was just good to talk to him. I mean, for 10, 15 minutes, and get his his uh, you know just get to know him a little bit. And um, one of the things that came out of our conversations with Jody is, you know, we, we probably could do a lot better with alumni and Jody's really picked up on that. Um, and, and you know, this bridge that you have between the past and the present and, and the legends that you have in your, in your organization, they do a really good job of that up in Seattle. And so, you know, we, we have work to do with that obviously. And uh, Brandon, Brandon kind of starts with that so I you know a lot of that goes to Joe Joe had a lot of those conversations Brandon seemed excited to do it it made sense for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. based on how he's represented us in the past and it's you know hopefully the start of of more work we do to sort of get more alumni in the fold
1: well because I was just at uh, you guys had the team had their first pre-draft workouts a couple of days ago at the practice facility and I saw I mean obviously like Joe and his whole staff were out there and you know was out there and like Chauncey and his whole staff but I saw Terry Porter mm-hmm. and Brian Grant just hanging out so I mean that that is something that you guys have kind of been doing more of I mean as far as far as with Brandon specifically like Joe was here mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. to because he started as an intern yeah. like Kevin Pritchard in 06 and like that I'm just like I knew that I talked to Joe <laughs> about like how he kind of came up before but like I I just, I just kind of put it together, oh yeah, like Brandon and Joe got here the same year, they probably would have to have, so, yeah. that, so that was a well, a lot of it was Joe that kind of yeah. was the catalyst for that. that-
0: yeah, and joe, Joe's joe got such a, um, you know, he's he's got such a great um, mindset around alumni and wanting to have folks around the team, mm-hmm. and so yeah, like you said, you saw at the draft workout last week, and Terry specifically, he's someone we brought back into the fold last, last winter. You know, we, he and I had multiple conversations. Terry's an unbelievable person, by the way. Just, like, incredible incredible person um, up and down. And we um, had a bunch of dinners together. And Terry's, Terry will tell you how it is, which is fantastic. So we brought Terry in not only to just, you know, be be the normal thing that alumni are which is being around for partners and fans and all that stuff but also as a strategic resource and 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 voice for alumni and, and really bringing different ideas about how we can do it better like Terry's got a lot of really great thoughts on that so we're we're excited to have him help us in that regard
1: how much communication had there been with Brandon from the organization before that meeting in Seattle, do you guys – do you have any kind of relationship with him or do you guys reach out at all or you, do you, you – know, was there any kind of talk of him coming back or any of that kind of stuff?
0: No, there's there was – before I met him last year, I had not spoken to him and or not had met him, obviously. I can't say – I mean, I'm sure Joe and his team, you know, Joe's got the relationship. He's probably talked to Brandon, you know, here and there. Um, but, but on my side, yeah, that was the first time I would met him. Is there gonna be more with him
1: going forward? Like, are we are we talking? Because obviously, one thing that has come up a lot in the few days since this has been announced <laughs> has been the idea that maybe number seven, which has not been given out, yes, that's since because right. I remember, I remember um, you, they signed Mo Williams in twenty thirteen. He picked number seven. He did his opening press conference holding up a number seven jersey, and then. <laughs> All the fans on Twitter just freaked out and were like, how can you give away Brandon Roy's number? And then it just, like, it didn't, like, and then he ended up changing it before the season even started. And then when Carmelo got here, who obviously wore number seven in New York, and that was kind of the number mm-hmm. he was identified with him, I, I asked him about it when he was here a couple of years ago, and he said that they told him it wasn't available. So it's kind of been, like, unofficially mm-hmm. retired, that, like, they haven't given it out, but it's not officially hanging up there now that you know, you guys have enough of a reopened relationship with Brandon that he's willing to go and represent you guys at the lottery. Is that something you're thinking about doing coming up?
0: I I mean, I think we're always, you know, th- that feels like something you could do, right? I mean, we're, we'll have conversations with Brandon. We'll have, you know, we'll continue. to Your original question of, um, you know, does it mean doing more in the organization? I maybe i mean it's up to it's up to brandon certainly it's 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 something that we're more open to maybe than we've ever been again with all alums so um who, who knows i mean i i can't give a definitive answer on that but i think it's really really important to have really strong ties to alumni like I said, our owner Jody Allen does. I've, I, you know, my previous organization in L.A. with the Kings, they did such a phenomenal job with their <laughs> alumni. Um, and I actually just last year they they retired Dustin Brown's number and did a statue of him outside, and it was good. You know, those things give you goosebumps, and and there's such great ca- uh, fan connection points. So it's definitely an area of emphasis for us. What
1: about LaMarcus? Because he just officially yeah. he officially <laughs> announced his retirement from the NBA like a couple months ago. That seems like also if you're looking at that, that seems like kind of a no-brainer one to do. Right. Also, and he. Probably be open to
0: it. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon, Lamarcus, and then and Jerome Kersey. Obviously, his That's, number gets brought up a lot too. So you guys you, haven't given that one
1: out since he died, right? I do not
0: think we have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so those are you know those are all the ones that we hear the most of. We also hear the feedback that we have a lot of retired jerseys already, and so I, you know you, you can't really look at it that way. I mean, what I one thing I've learned about the Blazers uh, and our fans here in Portland is there's just you know, there's such an importance in understanding the ha- the history and the past of this team, and there's probably more passion and desire for our old fans, our older fans, to to, to pass that knowledge on to our newer fans than, than almost anywhere I've ever worked. So, you know, you you kind of see why that is.
1: What's the feedback? I mean, switching completely, switching subjects here. What kind of feedback have you gotten from fans and from you know the public since last week when you guys announced your G League team?
0: It's been incredibly, um, great. I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, fans, again, fans here in Portland totally love following these guys from, from, you know, the very start of their careers on through and G League provides a window and an opportunity for fans to go see that, you know, at the University of Portland. So it's been, it's been tremendous. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of work to get it all ready to rock here in the next few months but we're excited about it and uh, you know it was if not that there's ever not a good year to not make the playoffs because we'd always like to be in it right. but because of all the time that we have in the offseason we've been, we've been really been working hard to get that up and running.
1: Is is, that—any idea when we're going to have a name or a logo or anything like that to announce?
0: Yeah, I think we're getting closer. We're getting ever closer. So I think in the next, you know, I'd say mid to end June, we should be ready to announce something. So, like, around the draft? Yeah, yeah. How
1: did it go—how did you settle on U of P? Because, you know, for years, I would hear from—you know, I have have friends who are always asking me, like, oh, when are they going to do a G League team? Are they going to do it in Beaverton? Mm-hmm. Are they going to do it in Lake Oswego? Are they going to do it in Eugene? Like, how did you guys settle on? I mean, me personally, I live in North Portland, so I am thrilled that mm-hmm. you picked uh, trials So, like, I'm <laughs> going to be able to go to a lot of games. But, like, so I, I had always kind of figured, you know, the, the hoop YMCA in Beaverton was kind of an uh, you know, obvious choice or something. Like how, like, how did you end up settling on where you ended up settling
0: mm-hmm. on? It, it was a perfect marriage, to be honest. Uh, a lot of different things came together. And, and you know, we had been, I think since I've been in 2017-18, we started scouting different sites and and never really looked in our backyard because we had just always been under the impression, well, it needs to be a far enough away to be, you know, out of our market. and. One of the things that we kept getting feedback on, especially on the basketball side, was um, you know really having it in market so that the players could play together. Right, that was interesting. Well, that's
1: why it didn't, that's why it didn't work out before when they tried it in Idaho because like that was when send, I
0: just started. So I kind of yeah I didn't. Well, to
1: send but to send a player back and forth from the from Portland to Boise, that's either you know a plane ride which is a huge mm-hmm. hassle, or it's a seven hour drive. Whereas now it's like. Whoever, let's just say, for the sake of argument, uh, Ibu Baji, one of your two-way guys that's under contract right now, who right. I think if you guys had had a G League team, probably would have gotten a lot of reps yeah. there. He could practice with the Blazers and then play in a G League game that same night, right? Or vice versa, if somebody wants to practice with the G League team and then play in a game with the Blazers. That like like that's that's something that is possible to do when you have it close by, which you know to me, I think it makes you know, perfect sense. And the other thing that also like. Because, you know, you put a lot of time into, you know, building up this PK tournament mm-hmm. into what it is now. And a lot of the women's games as part of that were at Child's, too. Correct. So I guess you kind of probably already had a relationship with U of P saying, hey, you know, we already share this building for some other stuff we do. Like, you know, does this make sense also?
0: Yeah, that's correct. They're, they've been unbelievable partners for those events. They've, um, they've been unbelievable partners in getting this deal done. And, again, you know, for us it's just – also putting our stamp on the Portland community, you know, to, to be able to have, you know, more events in Portland, more downtown. You know, we, we realize um, that we bring a lot of people down here for uh-huh. Blazers games, for concerts, for events. And sure, so to yeah. be able to have that in Portland and drive that in Portland when it feels like sometimes things are all going to the burbs, nothing against it, you know, it's exciting for us. And, and we, wanted to, we wanted to make sure we had that in place for the community, so.
1: That makes sense as far as, you know, bringing events here into the city i know you have some renovations coming up and you know you've you said before you know i know you guys have the women's final four scheduled to be here in 2030 mm-hmm. and you've talked you, know, you and i have talked before about you wanting to bring the all-star game here but there's some stuff that has to be done mm-hmm. with the rose quarter campus i know you have some of that stuff scheduled to happen this summer so like like what where's kind of all of that at? and kind of do you have like a timetable for how all that's going to go and when all that stuff you think might be ready
0: yeah, I mean, so 2030, is the, you're right, we talked about that, that's when we have the women's Final Four. I think by then, the women's Final Four is going to be a massive event, it, it, and, you know, I had heard, you know, the Dream Team had played in the Coliseum, I think, in yeah. 92. Well,
1: the, the men's Final Four is in stadiums
0: now. Yeah, like, exactly. They,
1: like, you, could, you couldn't have the men's Final Four in mode.
0: Yeah, so it's like, this to me feels like the biggest event, sporting event, that could happen in Portland maybe maybe ever um, because of how big women's basketball is getting in the final four itself so so we are trying to be ready for that event and you know as as soon as possible right and then do you try to get the all-star game in you know 29 31 32 to, to be around that time. So all of our renovations really th- stem with an eye towards can we be ready to have world class events like that by 2030?
1: Do you have so do you have do you have like dates kind of mapped out for like the phases that you're going to do the renovations like you're doing some of it this summer. Do you have it like set that like okay the next 3 summers we're going to be is that is that kind of what it is that you have planned
0: out? Not right? quite yeah. that dialed in yet, right? This summer we're doing the um you asked that question about the seat so we're doing a big seating project in the arena. So that will be Fairly noticeable, especially in the end zones. It was original steel that had been in the building. Okay. That's the that's you know, for, for those that care about it, it's the retractable seats that go in and out to, to create a more dynamic um, environment for monster trucks and other concerts and things like that. So that had to get replaced. With that, um, you know, there'll be more comfortable seats in those areas, cup holders, it'll be a better fan experience for fans. In the meantime, because the building is um, is going to need some time to take on that pretty massive construction project. We have a uh, digital signage network going up in the arena. So that that's one of the most, to me, one of the most impressive things you can do to change the way concourses feel. So that's happening all throughout the arena from the 300, 200, 100 level. And then there'll probably be, we don't have the summers identified, but there'll probably be two more summers in our future where we'll be, looking at sort of major, major renovations that take place in the off season.
1: So it's not like you're going to do 23, 24, 25. It might be like 23 and then you do another one in 25. So that's, is there going to be a new video uh, screen at some point? I
0: mean, that's definitely part of our thinking and planning for sure. The one that's up there right now is 18 years old. So it's, it's, it's getting time. Yeah.
1: As far as, you know, you, we talked about the women's final four coming here. This is something you and I have talked yeah. about a lot. You know, we, we both were at that event in what was it, January, February? Yeah. Kathy Engelbert. Like, is there any update or on any kind of timetable on when you might hear from the WNBA about a, a decision one way or the other right. about whether Portland is going to get one of the expansion teams? Is that any update on that? <clears throat> I would.
0: I. I. We haven't gotten an update. I would. I would say that, um, you know, the, the folks that are wanting to bring the team here are uh, are very. Um, competitive and they're uh they're very interested in bringing it and you know the only thing that would keep the WNBA from not wanting to have it in portland would be maybe they have markets that look more appealing mm-hmm. <clears throat> my argument would be this this market's incredible for WNBA. just look yeah. at the thorns it's incredible for women's sports it's in, it, they have a built-in you know venue right behind us that that makes a lot of sense there's the coliseum if that were to be something that could be an option we have multiple options for the team to play at down here and um and we're really interested in helping out we have a really good relationship with that ownership group and talk to them all the time and is Kirk yeah <clears throat> and give them um you know advice when we can and and feedback and we want to see it be so we want it to be successful because it'd be it'd be incredible like it's just incredible to have that that kind of um Level and skill and talent in basketball in the, in in our backyard.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you you and I, I think, are on the same page about it being a success, but you don't you don't know one you don't know yet as far as like logistically when the league is going to tell you okay these are the cities we're going with you don't you don't know anything. About yeah,
0: it yet. no, we we are yeah we haven't heard anything. I think the last I heard Kathy publicly speak on it was that they were getting the list down from a longer list of like. Sounds they cool. said it was a
1: hundred, and then they said yeah.
0: it was twenty. Which usually, 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 when they say the list
1: is that big, they kind of already know where they're gonna go. Like, like I, I, am seeing like you, you know, you always see like different like when NBA team does a coaching search, they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna interview fifteen to twenty yeah. candidates. It's like yeah, you already know which, teams, which people <laughs> you're actually considering, but yeah, cause no, cause like the, the the one that I had heard or like the the list that's kind of been out there publicly is Portland. San Francisco or Oakland, and then, like, Toronto, uh, which they're playing a game there, Mm -hmm. I think, this weekend as, like, an exhibition game, and then, like, Nashville-Philly, I I think, Mm -hmm. or, I think, I think that's, like, the short list as of right now, and I, I think the Bay Area is probably close to a lock for one, and then I think they would like for there to be a team in Toronto, but we just, you know, because the team still fly to commercial, there might be, like, visa issues and stuff, so... I don't know. I, to me, Portland is like the most obvious one in the world for all the reasons you mentioned. But it's just a matter, I guess, of you know what the league decides to do and right. where their head is at as far as that.
0: Right. Yeah, I think so. And again, kudos to, I guess, our entire city for how they show up and support women's sports in this town, yeah. you know, in all levels. Because it really has, in my belief, gotten on the NBA's radar for Kathy to come to Portland, to come to the sports bra, to kind of hear the excitement. You know that's well, just that's, the fact that that, that's a, a
1: place like the Sports Bra right. does the business that it right. does. Like i I that, that that event was actually my first time being there, but I've have friends who have gone there for like thorns matches or like NCAA women's tournament games or you know world you know women's World Cup or whatever. Like it apparently it's like impossible to get a table for wow. those types of events. So I would imagine you know if there's a Portland WNBA team like they're in the playoffs or something like that's going to be a big
0: yeah. Be mad, yeah. It, it it just gives me goosebumps. That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. So one other thing I wanted to get to before we you know wrap up here is you know you did a lot of different stuff this year with the broadcast, whether it's you know the trail documentary series that you know Tristan and his mm-hmm. team produced, but then also some of the stuff during games of like bringing in Corey Jazz, the mm-hmm. analytics uh, insider, and then you know some of the different graphics and stuff that you had. On the screen, do you? how do you feel like a lot of that stuff went? And, you know, what kind of stuff do you have planned coming up as far as, like, refinements or new things you're going to introduce to the broadcast? Is that something you have kind of dialed in yet?
0: I Always. Yeah, we're always thinking about it. I'd love to get your feedback on that at some point as well. Um, yeah, you know, for, for us, um, so important. You mentioned the trail, and that team did such a phenomenal job. I think they were em- nominated for several <laughs> Emmys for all the work that they did. So kudos to that team. I mean, it was really about getting to know the players better off the court, you know, because I think it's so, so important to understand that, especially in this era of social media, when you have access to just tweet and send messages to whoever you want, to humanize our players and have them know... Who who they are off the court meant, meant a lot for us, and then on the broadcast side, you know what's going to be fun about G League is we're going to be we're going to have this little research lab uh-huh. in G League to be able to try out all sorts of stuff like this, both mm. on the business side and basketball side.
1: What are you doing as far as the broadcasting? Yeah. You figured that out yet? We
0: ha- we again we haven't because we're in a dead sprint for everything else, but the 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 sheer idea that we'll have the ability to use it as a test lab is what's exciting to us because I think our broadcast last year felt like test lab we were doing a lot of different things and um you know Corey was phenomenal for us i think what we realized was two things one was you know we had this incredible team of talent and especially if you think of like lamar great job explaining to you ins and outs of the game and and teaching me quite frankly things i never knew about basketball brooke tells you all the stuff that's going on off the court Corey felt like a natural person to bring in if we wanted to try to make you know integrate stats a little bit more, because you need somebody that can explain that stuff. It's not as easy as points, rebounds, assists when you're talking about usage percentage right. and points per possession. That needs someone to be able to explain that a little bit. And we wanted people to understand, you know, that there's more there's more things to pay attention if you peel back the layers and understand how basketball works than than what's on the surface level. And so, you know, I think I think generally it went well. Um, and there's things, of course, we do differently, but pretty happy with how it came out. And then the second lever to that is our broadcast, right? We're one of the few teams that gets to do it by ourselves. We because you own it. We own it outright, right? Like we we don't we it's our production. We sell the ads. We run the production of the games, and we want to try to like our goal is to be the best broadcast in the NBA because we have the ability to do that, and our fans, quite frankly, deserve to be like it's just in my mind and my vision of it is like our fans are the most knowledgeable they're the ones that are talking about this at the greatest level so let's reward them with that
1: where do you think the rsn business is going
0: like i i've
1: been i'm just sure you've been following this stuff very closely i'm paying close attention to what's going on in phoenix where their new owner is trying to just like put their games on network tv yeah. and then you know all the stuff going on with diamond and you know some different teams are and like the league is, like, doing, you know, different leagues are, like, doing, you know, deals with the streaming partners. Obviously, the NBA kind of has their own deal coming up nationally with ESPN or mm-hmm. Turner or whoever they end up going with. Like, where, like where, where, where do you kind of see that business in five years? Do you think RSNs or, like, local RSNs, the way that they kind of exist now, is that even so going to be a thing? Are more teams going to start doing... You know what the Suns are trying to do, putting it back on over-the-air TV. Is everything going to be streaming? Like, like where do you kind of yeah. see all that
0: going? I think, <clears throat> I think that teams will, will want to have more of a front seat and uh, hands on the wheel for their production. Right. I mean, we're, so like we're, what you guys regardless, are yeah, and and you know, I I can't take credit for that. We've been doing that for years and years and years but i think we've gotten a lot of phone calls from other teams asking us how we're set up in our process so i sort of feel like teams want to have more of control over that one thing that's been helpful about us owning our broadcast is that when you do that you are able to do things like the trail like you can't just whip that up unless you have people that already have those talents and those skills so when you do your own broadcast you're building up muscles and you really are while we're all basketball teams and we're trying to win on the court, and on the business side, we're also creating content and production. And so, if if every team, you know, tries to have more hand on their broadcast, that's going to help improve things. That, other things that they're doing. So, I to answer your question, I don't really know where it's headed. I know that teams will want more control. I know that we have a really great partner in Root. I know, you know, they're we're back on cable. We're back on satellite. We're on some streaming platforms. Um, we are always asking them to push to push and, and get on more platforms, but, um, they're, they've been great partners to us and they're not one of the RSNs that are in, you know, these bankruptcy issues right. like they are at Bally's and other things. There, wasn't,
1: there was a, there was a report.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Then, Warner Brothers Discovery team. And were, it's like,
1: what ended up happening with that was they just like had a minority stake in that and that wasn't really going to affect, I, I, th- I think, cause that, cause like that came out around the same time. As, like, all the ballys and, like, diamond yeah. stuff was going down where, like, they were going to just, like, completely go under and everybody kind of assumed that that was going to affect you guys too. And yeah. Clearly it did not.
0: I mean, the, yeah, exactly. We didn't – We the Mariners own the majority of that station and they've been phenomenal partners for us. And the, the Mariners are
1: doing okay financially. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they um, – you know, but the reality is that, you know, I think we were in more – Cable was in more than 100 million homes and now it's in 60 million. And that yeah. business model is predicated on – households that have cable. So it, you know, there's this the smaller that shrinks. I think people in that industry and cable overall are wondering, you know, where is where's the bottom in terms of cable subs and we haven't hit it yet. Yeah,
1: I have I have cable personally and I I'm seer I mean I signed like a 2-year deal or something with Comcast so I can't get out of it for a while, but like I'm thinking about ways in the future to maybe not have to pay that much for that so i'm e- right. even, even somebody like me who's like it's always just been like oh yeah i'm gonna have cable it goes without saying even right. i'm kind of thinking about it. is that is there any i know this is out of your hands as far as like you can't do anything about root not being on youtube or not being on whatever these other platforms are is there any have you heard anything from like the root folks about any you know movement or headway on the channel getting onto some more of those platforms because obviously that's something I get asked about. Like I have, I have tons of friends who like when the Blazers were on NBC sports Northwest, they could watch on YouTube TV. Now they can't. And now they have to like either sign up for like the free trial of Fubo or like switch their whole thing over. And it's just like a whole, a whole thing. So that's, that's something I always get asked about. So I, 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 again, I know that it's not anything you have anything to do with, or you have any control over, but do you know anything about like where that's at or if there's any progress there?
0: Yeah, I mean, we we have pretty regular conversations with the Root folks on updates and status for, um, you know, for their ability to get get more households, right? We had a really good partnership with a company called Avaca, and then that went away. Um, You know, we, it's tough. You know, YouTube, I think, and Hulu have both taken a pretty strong stance against RSNs. They do have some. They had NBC Sports Northwest. They have, I think, the Celtics but they these multi-team RSNs create a ton of costs for them that they don't want to take on and so it feels like it's at a stalemate but again to your point we're not in the middle of those conversations we're trying to, we're trying to push for as much coverage as possible and and any TV deal that we do is going to want to be to create the opportunity for the most fans to be able to watch it, we can't always please everyone, obviously, right. but that's the goal every every time, and I think you're seeing that more and more with teams, and that will continue to be the goal for us.
1: Yeah, well, I guess the next thing coming up is the lottery. You're you're gonna yeah. be there, right?
0: Yeah, I'll be there. I won't be in the back room this time. How was that good. for
1: you? Because I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna be in the back room this time. I've never done it before. I believe you were in there last. time.
0: I week. was. Yeah.
1: How how was it? What what was that? and I mean that was kind of a disappointing res- I mean obviously I think it ended up working out okay because I think the whole basketball ops side is very happy that they ended up with Shaden but mm-hmm. yeah having the six best odds and moving back to seventh on the night of people were not thrilled about that so what was that like kind of for you being in the room you know hoping maybe you jump up into the top four and then it turns out that you know Sacramento jumps you guys and then mm-hmm. you end up getting pushed back a spot like what was that like for you
0: it's a lot less dramatic back there than it is on the stage show, right? right. Um, you know, you find out really quickly, and uh, and uh, you know you're you, you get you get in there an hour before, and then the actual drawing happens. You can't have any device on you, your watch, your phone, whatever. Yeah. It all gets taken away. So you you do what the good part is you go back to, you know, you go back to there's all these people back there, and you go back. You can't sit there in the corner on your phone. So everyone's just chatting it up and talking and you know last year Ben Golver was in there and we spent a ton of time talking and I got to meet Mike Varkunov and Zach Lowe and a bunch of other folks were back there and talking to other teams and you know you just you're just kind of back to <laughs> before the cell phone era and uh and then you're watching everything happen on tv so Damien's sitting up there and I'm I'm thinking oh, I wish I could just tell Damien where this is ending up and you can't right that's you see the, the point. look on his face yeah, when it gets right? when
1: it gets called and that of course turns into a meme and that's like- yeah
0: and I felt entirely responsible for that, so I'm sorry. Like if they had sent
1: somebody else in there.
0: Then...
1: <laughs> well, that's why. That's why I said as soon as they, as soon as they, you guys announced that Brandon Roy was gonna be the person, just to bring this full circle. I know he got to rap soon, but yeah. I saw that and I was just like, that is the best. Like just for the vibes, or if, I don't know. I don't know how much anybody believes mm-hmm. in that kind of stuff, but if you're somebody that believes in that stuff, that's the choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was funny to hear, you know, as we were batting around all the choices before, it just kept coming back to Brandon for the same reasons all you guys talked but about. But again,
1: if he would do it, that was yeah. always the thing. I had always kind of said that, like, if he would do it, that would be the choice. But I was just kind of surprised he agreed to do
0: it. Right, so. right. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's... We'll see. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to Tuesday, so it'll be fun. I you know I did notice the um you know the Blackhawks got the first pick in the NHL draft, that. and they there's a player uh, Connor Bedard yeah. who's who's generational talent, um, unlike not unlike what the, the NBA is dealing with, and um, you know they they had a pretty great couple of days after that. Oh, yeah. uh, no, I NHL have team. a lot of
1: friends in Chicago because I used to live there, and. People are pretty even people I know who like were not hockey fans and I will be honest I'm not a hockey fan, but people are pretty excited about yeah. about that right now. So
0: Yeah, he, he would, played a couple of games. Uh, obviously they played the Winterhawks. He's yeah. on their giant team and, and he was just incredible. Incredible. The Winterhawks owner would tell me about you gotta come to this game and watch this guy and he's he is unbelievable. So yeah,
1: well. We'll see what happens yes, in a couple of days we will. <laughs> Dwayne, Knock thanks a lot for, we've been talking about doing this for <laughs> Really almost a year because it was like going back to like last summer when all the stuff was going on with like you guys maybe not traveling the broadcast when you offered to come on and I said I wanted to but then it was like the season happened and stuff kind of got in the way so I'm glad we were finally able to do
0: this. Yeah thanks for having me on it's been it's been fun always good to catch up with you Sean.
1: Yeah.